Hey guys, my name is Danny. Welcome to Swerve Church Live. I'm so glad that we can get together by these means so that we can dig into God's Word, so that we can worship together. Uh, I really pray and hope that at the end of today's gathering, you are a little bit more informed, but also a little bit more encouraged, as we need a lot of encouragement these days. I'm excited to be beginning a brand new series. It's called Elijah. We're going to be taking a look at this Old Testament prophet. Now, I really do believe that there's a lot that happened to Elijah that we can learn from and glean from. I also think that he dealt with a lot of the same things that we are going through right now. And so I really do believe that this series is going to be a very relevant series for us as we find ourselves in the middle of this pandemic, uh, dealing with COVID-19 and stay at home and quarantine and such. So I think a lot of what happened to Elijah Elijah we can really relate to and so I really also believe that we're going to be able to learn a lot from this series and from his life and his experiences but before we get into today's topic and before we open up today's uh, scripture I wanted to give us a little bit of historical context first so that we can understand exactly what's going on uh, first and foremost uh, we are going to be studying from 1st Kings uh, we're going to read some from chapter 16 and 17 uh, but the, the name of the book kind of gives away the era of history that uh, Elijah found himself in. It was in the era of kings. And so we are introduced uh, in this chapter to King Ahab. And I wanted to look at a verse from chapter 16 that gives us a good description of exactly who this King Ahab was. Check it out. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30. It says this. It says, But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight more than all who were before him. And if you continue to read, you'll see that he marries a wicked lady. Her name was Jezebel. Now, this woman was ruthless. She was a murderer. She worshipped the false god Baal. And she was such a horrible person that, uh, well, think about this. Do you know any other ladies today alive that have named their daughters Jezebel? Do you know one other Jezebel? She was so wicked. Her reputation followed her. And this was King Ahab's uh, a wife and, and together they were a, uh, a horrible duo set out to do as much evil as possible. In fact, look at what was first Kings uh, chapter 16, verse 33, just a couple verses uh, says it says Ahab also made an Asherah pole. Now, these Asherah poles were essentially uh, monuments that were dedicated to these uh, uh, false gods because they were pagan in their ideology. And it says that Ahab did more to anger the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. What a statement. Ahab did more to anger the Lord God of Israel than all the other kings uh, leading up before him. Now this is where we're introduced to Elijah. Elijah uh, was a prophet who God raised to confront King Ahab. Now prophets were essentially people that would speak on behalf of God. They would confront the people of God. They would send messages. They would download messages directly from God and deliver them uh, to, to, uh, to the people of God, to, to Israel, to the nation of Israel, but also uh, to the Gentile nations and to, uh, to their enemies and the wicked king Ahab. Elijah's very name, the translation of his name, stood up against the false god of Baal and the false gods of King Ahab and Jezebel. Elijah's name translated is this. It's my God is Jehovah. And his very name was a powerful statement against the false god Baal and the false gods that they worship and sacrifice to. And so Elijah is sent on a difficult mission. 
he's sent to deliver a very specific message to King Ahab. Remember the way the Bible described them, worse than all the other kings before him. And God raises up this man, Elijah, to deliver a specific message to him. And so here's what it says, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Here's the message that he had to deliver. You guys can follow along. Now Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settler said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, in whose presence I stand. Check out the authority with which Elijah is talking here. There will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Now here's essentially what Elijah is delivering to King Ahab. He's telling him, God is going to withhold the rain until I say so. Now, a drought was the worst possible news that he could deliver because, you see, a no rain meant that there would be no water for people to drink, no water for the animals to drink either. It essentially would also mean that they couldn't water any plants or they couldn't grow anything in an agricultural society. This would have been devastating news. It would certainly be devastating for, the phys for their physical well-being, but also economically, it would have been a devastation to them economically. It meant it would have been worse than an economic shutdown. This is exactly what he had delivered. And what God was saying was he was delivering this powerful message, essentially saying that, that God is all-powerful. And God was saying, I am the one true God. And to prove that point to you, I will withhold the rain. That's the message that God was delivering. Now, what happens after Elijah delivers this message? Do you think they gave Elijah his own talk show on TBN? Uh, do you think he received some sort of profit promotion? Uh, maybe he got a raise in his salary. Uh, maybe God moved them into a mansion, maybe. Uh, may maybe he started a podcast about how to deliver powerful messages from God to wicked kings. Or maybe he grew to 100K followers on Instagram. Well, it's, it's not quite what you would think. Elijah doesn't follow that route. He doesn't receive a promotion. Instead, he goes through what many of us are going through right now. But before we talk about it, we need to talk about why. Why is he about to experience this? Why is he going to experience what so many of us are experiencing right now? You see, he's going to go through a series of experiences because God wants to mold his character. God wants to do something within Elijah. God wants to use Elijah powerfully. But before he can use Elijah powerfully, he must break him profoundly. And so he's going to go through these series of experiences because God wants to do a work in him. Let me ask you guys a question. Why are you going through circumstances? Why do you go through difficult situations? Why do you go, hard, why do you go through hardships? Did you ever consider that maybe God is forming your character? Did you ever consider that maybe God is doing something in you through the circumstances that you're experiencing? Did you ever consider that maybe God wants to make you a man or a woman of God through those circumstances and through those experiences? That's what God wants to do with Elijah. Now, how does he do that? Uh, well, you can write this down. If you're taking notes, uh, you can write this down, number one, and that is that uh, he does this to Elijah through a season of isolated pain. God takes Elijah through a season of isolated pain. After delivering this powerful message to King Ahab, look at what God does. Look at what, where God sends uh, Elijah. This is verses 2 and 3 in chapter 17 of 1 Kings. He says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Leave here, turn eastward, and what's this word? And what? And hide at the Wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. 
hold, hold on. If I'm Elijah, I'm talking to God like, God, you just, I confronted the wicked King Ahab. There was no other worse king than him right now and his wicked wife Jezebel with this powerful message. You sent me to talk to them and to deliver this message. And now you want me to hide? God sends him to hide at the Wadi Cherif. Now, a Wadi, uh, before studying this, I, I just never heard of the word Wadi. I don't know what that is, but essentially a Wadi is a ravine. Think of, of a creek. Think of a, like a small uh, body of water. And typically um, in a Wadi or ravine, the, the water would dry, dry up in the summertime. So throughout the year, there would be a, like a little stream of water. And then in the summertime, it dries up. There's no water. And this is where God sends him. Now, not just to any ravine or creek, he sends them to the Wadi Cherith or the Cherith Ravine. Now, that word Cherith, when you translate it, literally means cut off or cut down. The translation of the word Cherith is cut off or cut down. So imagine this. After delivering this powerful message to King Ahab, God sends Elijah to cut off creek or to cut down creek. He tells him to hide at the secluded place, to go into isolation, to go into a, a solitary place for the foreseeable future and hide all alone by himself. Essentially, God tells Elijah to quarantine himself after delivering this powerful message, to go away from all family, friends, and community, and to hide in the Wadi Cherif. You know, it's like so many of us are feeling right now. We are feeling isolated. We feel abandoned. We feel alone. And that's what Elijah is told to do. Now, why? How would you feel if you were Elijah? How would you feel if you were in his shoes after delivering this powerful message from God? Now told to go into hiding. You know, but God was doing a profound preparatory work in Elijah through this isolated pain. You see, even though perhaps Elijah couldn't see it at the moment, God was doing a work in Elijah before he could do a work through Elijah. What if? What if you're experiencing that pain? What if whatever circumstances you're going through, what if in the middle of the isolation that you're going through right now, God is doing a preparatory work in you so that he can do a work through you? What if in your current condition, in your current circumstances, in your current pain, God has a purpose? What if in your circumstances and in your pain, God is trying to teach you something? What if God is trying to show you something? What if God is trying to do a work in you? What if in your pain there's an opportunity to draw closer to God? What if in your pain there's an opportunity to crack open the Bible and read it more and seek God's face more and pray more? What if in this opportunity, in this circumstance, there's an opportunity to grow your faith, to depend on God greater? What if in this isolation, in this season, in these circumstances, God is using it to create a deeper sense and longing for community, to draw closer and to build strong and strengthen strong relationships? What if God is using that? Now, God brings Elijah into a season of isolated pain. Why? It's to teach him a lesson. And among those lessons was this. You can write this down. Number two in your notes. It's a lesson in total dependence. It's a lesson in total dependence. Now, Elijah is told to go into hiding, which means he has to leave his home. He has to leave family, relatives. He has to leave, you know, if he had a, a job or anything. Uh, and what about, how's he going to eat? How's he going to drink? Well, where's that going to come from? What about the necessities uh, of life? 
He has to come to a place of total dependence. Now look at what it says in verses 4 to 6. God tells him, You are to drink from the wadi. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. Elijah left and lived at the wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he would drink from the wadi. We see what God asked of Elijah to leave everything, to leave family, friends, community, all that, to, and then to depend on him totally. And then God said he was going to provide for him. And God, by the means of the miraculous, he provides for Elijah. And this is a miraculous means of God. That's why, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't, so, uh, doesn't just mention it so casually. It's a big deal. But God said, listen, I'm going to take you into a season of isolation. But in that isolation, I'm going to provide for you. And he did so by commanding the ravens to bring him uh, food to eat. Now, don't get so caught up on the fact of, you know, that, you know, could, why would God do something like that? Why would he use these means? Uh, it's not so fascinating to me, see, because if, if God is creator, then as creator, he can tell his creation what to do. In fact, we see uh, Jesus is God, and in the New Testament, he commands the waves uh, to cease. He, he, he tells a storm to stop from happening because, because he's God, and God has, he has control over creation because he is creator. What's even more amazing to me is where did these ravens find the food to bring to Elijah? Remember, they're in the middle of a drought, which means this would impact, um, you know, financially uh, the entire region. Where, where would they find these food? But you see, but God is great and God is creator and God works about by the miraculous to provide for Elijah. And God is teaching Elijah to depend on him. Elijah would get a greater grasp in the middle of this circumstance, in the middle of the situation. He would get a greater grasp of a God who provides, of a God who loves, of a God who cares, of a God who is faithful. What was taken away from him? His family? His home? Food was taken away from him? Friends? Relationships? Community? Essentially, all sense of security was taken away from him in this moment. Let me ask you a question. What has been taken away from you? What kind, of, what kind of security has been taken away from you? You see, if there's anything that this time has shown us, this period in history, as we go through COVID-19 and as we are quarantined in our homes, if there's anything that's been demonstrated to us is that our security blankets have been pulled away from us. You see, maybe for many of us, we found security in our jobs. And right now, so many people have been laid off. So many people are without their jobs. You're forced to work from home if you do have a job or, or, or you, you know, you're, you're, the, the businesses are closing down. They can no longer afford to pay their employees. So that security blanket of our work, which so many of us find our value and our self-worth in, is pulled away from us. How many of us find security in our 401k and our retirement funds? And if you've been paying close attention to the financial markets and to the stock market, you realize that that 401k is dwindling down and your security blanket is being pulled away. How many of us find security in our appearances and the way we look and, and, and we, we, we care so much about what other people think about us and, and we put on a facade and we take special care about the way we look because we care and we want to people please and we want other people to think highly of us. And that security blanket has been pulled away. Your, the barbershop is closed. The nail salon is closed. The beauty supply store is closed. And you're walking around busted and disgusted. And that security blanket has been taken away from you. What is God teaching us? What is God teaching us? 
He's teaching us to depend on Him, to find our security in Him, to find our value and our self-worth in Him, not in all these other things, but in Him. See, God provided for Elijah, and Elijah learned to depend on God. And God gave Elijah exactly what he needed for the day, not less and not more. He gave him exactly what he needed for each day. God was his provider. And listen, God is our provider. He provides. And what is our job? Number three, you can write this down. Our job is a response of unconditional obedience. If we continue to read, um, if you continue to read the rest of the chapter, the brook dries up and God tells Elijah to go visit another town called Zarephath. And he says that in that town, he's going to meet a, a lady, a widow. In fact, it's a, it's, a, it's a widow. And he says that this widow somehow, some way is going to provide for him. And so Elijah comes across and he meets this lady and he tells her, hey, uh, get me a cup of water and bake me some bread. The lady tells him, well, where have you been? Have you been hiding under a rock? Uh, little does she know, essentially, he was. But she said, well, where have you been? All I have is a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. I'm going to bake me a loaf of bread. Me and my son, we're going to eat and die because that's all that we have left. And Elijah tells her these words, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then we pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 15 to 16. Here's what it says. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty, and the oil jug did not run dry. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Elijah. You see, God uses Elijah in this moment to provide for the widow and for her son. It was a step of obedience on Elijah's behalf to go to Zarephath and, and ask her for the bread. It was a step of obedience for this widow to listen to the word of Elijah. And, and then God provided the rest of the way. They acted upon obedience. Now, it doesn't even stop there. If you continue reading, uh, the son becomes extremely ill and then he dies. And I want you guys to imagine this for this widow. She's lost her husband. They're in the middle of a drought. A great, you know, an economy. The economy is crashing. The, the husband in, in this time probably would have been the breadwinner putting food on the table. And this poor widow lady has to provide for her and, and her son. And now her son is also taken away uh, from her. So imagine the deep emotional hurt and the financial struggle um, of, of this lady in this moment. And then to top it all off, and now her son is dead. And so the widow cries out to the prophet. We pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 17, 19 through 21. But Elijah said to her, Give me your son. So he took him from her arms, brought him up to the upstairs room where he was staying, and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow I'm staying with by killing her son? Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times and he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, please let this boy's life come into him again. I want you guys to hear the agony with which Elijah is praying here and the desperation as he approaches God to see a miracle. And it goes on to say in verse 22, so the Lord listened to Elijah and the boy's life came into him again and he lived. Then Elijah took the boy brought him down from the upstairs room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, look, your son is alive. And this is amazing. All that time in isolation, 
through all the pain that Elijah was experiencing, learning to depend on God, had prepared him to see God move and to use him in a powerful moment right here at this, at this specific occasion. God had prepared, been preparing him this whole time for this moment, for such a time as this. And if you think this is amazing, you just wait in the weeks to come to see how God is going to use Elijah in some amazing ways. And in fact, even the widow recognizes this. She recognizes God's work in his life. Verse 24 says, Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God, and the Lord's word from your mouth is true. Now I know you are a man of God. Guys, what if you are right now in the Cherith Ravine? What if right now you are in Cutdown Creek? You are experiencing the pain of isolation so that God can do a sanctifying work in you. What if you are going through whatever circumstance, whatever situation, whatever hardship that you're facing right now so that God can do a sanctifying work in you? What if God is preparing you to be the man of God He's called you to be? What if God is preparing you to be the woman of God that He's called you to be? What if we asked God for Him to give us eyes to see Him work right now in this situation, in this hardship? What if we learn to depend on God? What if we saw ourselves with God's eyes? Now listen. If you find yourself in the Sharith Ravine, I want you to be encouraged by the fact and know that God is with you. In fact, one of the names of Jesus in the Old Testament is Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God is with us. And the Bible says that in our sin and because of our sin, our relationship with God was broken. We are alienated from God and we are doomed for destruction because of our sin. But Emmanuel, God with us, God enters His creation. Creator God enters His creation, the person and work of Jesus Christ. And He lives a perfect and sinless life. And then He dies in our place because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And Jesus says, I will pick up the tab. And He dies on the cross in our place. And three days later, by the power of God, He's raised from the tomb. So that in His death, we can experience the forgiveness of sin. And in His life, we can experience newness of life. And all you have to do to experience God's gift of grace is put your faith in Him. And you can experience this salvation. We can experience forgiveness of sin. We can experience newness of life. And all you have to do is put your faith in Him. If you haven't done that yet, I invite you to do so today. Guys, what if you're going through whatever you're going through right now? Because God is trying to make a man of God or a woman of God out of you. Let's pray. God, I just pray, Father, that you would teach us, God, what it is exactly you're trying to show us in this pain. Help us, Lord, to be dependent, Lord, on you, not on our finances, not on our jobs, not on our friends, not on our relationships. God, those things are great, and we thank you for those blessings. But God, more than that, Lord, we want to learn to depend on you. Lord, I pray that, God, that we would respond in obedience to whatever it is you're calling us to do, Lord, no matter how crazy it may seem or how bold it is, Lord, that we may respond in obedience. And thank you, Jesus, that you ultimately paid the price, that you are Emmanuel, God, with us, and you are present with us. And because you entered the Cherith Ravine, you entered isolation, you entered pain, God, on our behalf, so that we can experience forgiveness of sin and new life. And for that, we are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.